It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Jimmy Butler is confident championship is in Miami's future. We break down what he had to say about his time in Miami. And if Damon Lillard does join Miami, will he fit as well with Jimmy and Bam Adebayo as Miami's former big three? We debate that and more on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked on Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here, as always, with David Ramil. However you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app, thanks so much for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Great show for you today. We've got a question comparing a Damian Lillard big three versus the LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh big three. Ormeyer Yurtsevin is gone. Joel Embiid is making headlines, and we have a Damian Lillard update. All of that later in today's show, but I want to start with Jimmy Butler, who has made it a habit to make bold championship predictions nearly every time he gets near a microphone. Uh, he did it most recently in an interview during his leaning tour in China, saying that he thinks this is the Heat's year to win a championship. I'm going to tell you what makes this time a little bit different, but first, here's the sound courtesy of Chinese Baller Vision. Um, I believe that with all my heart that we, I, will win a championship um, for the Miami Heat, because I don't plan on playing for another NBA team after the Miami Heat. So I know that we are capable of doing this. I know that the team that Coach Pat and Coach Bo put around me and my teammates, um, we're going to be fine. We're always going to have an opportunity. Uh, this year is our year. I, I really do believe that. We, we understand what it takes to get there, and now we just have to get over that hump. Um, and like I said, I'll be better. We'll all be better as a unit. And then the next time I'm talking to y'all here, I'll be a one-time NBA champion. So a few things to get to from that soundbite, David. But I, I do want to start with just something that we've talked about on this program a few times is what Jimmy Butler is actually doing when he's making these championship predictions. And it's less about trying to be right in making a prediction. It's less Joe Namathy. And it's more in just trying to imbue confidence in his teammates. And that's why he makes a championship proclamation basically every post-game during right. the NBA playoffs, but we're not in the NBA playoffs right now. We're in the off season and he doesn't even know whose teammates are going to be next year. Right. We, this Damian Lillard thing is still hanging in the air. Gabe Vincent and Max Drews are gone. This has, this has nothing to do with imbuing confidence in his teammates. So this is a little bit different than the championship proclamations that he made in the past. If anything, this is more, I think, signaling to the organization that he has confidence in them. And he even names Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra and says, I have confidence in the, in the team that they're going to put around me and the coaching and all that stuff. 
I, I, and so I think it's different in that way. And I know a lot of people could roll their eyes at this and just be like, all right, here he goes again. Another championship proclamation, another prediction. Like at some point, and look, I think it's understandable to say like, Hey, you know what? Actually win one. And then we'll start taking this stuff seriously. But I got to tell you, man, like we're going to get to the Joel Embiid stuff here in a minute. And, you know, I actually kind of find it a little refreshing out of the stars. I don't roll my eyes at this stuff because you've got stars across the league just giving up on organizations, giving up on teammates at the first Mm -hmm. moment of not winning in the conference finals, not winning in the NBA finals, not winning the championship that they want, not getting the ring in the rings culture that is so prevalent and so dominant in today's conversation that you've got somebody like Jimmy Butler who's out here saying, no, we're going to get the next one. Don't worry about it. No, this is our year. I got it. I got it. Instead of, hey, you know what? Maybe I'll win. I hope I can win one. I hope I just get a chance, whether it's in Philadelphia or somewhere else, or even Kevin Durant. And I don't even mean this as a slight to Kevin Durant necessarily, because he's one of the greatest players of, of his generation of all time. But even him kind of getting sad and moving on over and over again. James Harden kind of throwing up his hands and finding new teams over and over again. Kyrie Irving, like the list goes on and on. And Jimmy Butler... And he wasn't always this way, right, in Minnesota and things like that. But he's found a home in Miami where he feels comfortable and and trusting. And I don't know that there is another star in today's NBA that trusts his teammates and the organization that he plays for the way that Jimmy Butler does. And I find it refreshing, and I don't roll my eyes at it, David. I am a little surprised to hear your perspective on this be so, uh, not optimistic, but like, I'm not even sure the, the, the exact word escapes me right now, but that you're seeing like the purity of what Jimmy's saying and you're taking it at face value. Normally you have a much more cynical perspective on what players have to say, especially when they do it on, on a shoe endorsement tour like this. And in fact, to the point where I, I feel kind of embarrassed to admit, I didn't even read it that way. Like I was hearing his comments about not wanting to play for another team. And perhaps I'm a little jaded, but I, I you know, we see the landscape of today's NBA. We've seen Jimmy over the course of his career. And yes, this is the second longest stint with any one team that he's had during his NBA career. But it could all just as easily change tomorrow. I, I had not looked at that clip and heard what he had to say and said and viewed it the way that you did as confirmation of how much he loves Miami and he doesn't want to go anywhere. Because even last year, like, I mean, on this show and with other guests that we've had on the show, we debated whether it might be a time for Miami to reset and trade Jimmy Butler. Of course, that was well before the postseason and everything else like that, but it is a topic. Heat fans certainly engaged in that kind of level of conversation, saying, oh, we're not going anywhere. Do Jimmy a solid, trade him to a contending team. I'll admit it. I I came on the show multiple times and said the Heat might have to explore it. And if it was a first round out against Milwaukee or if they didn't come back in the fourth quarter against Chicago, I think that they would have. But that's not up to Jimmy Butler necessarily like what I, I don't really I'm not that interested in whether or not he's going to be correct in his prediction saying that I only want to play for the Miami Heat like that's not necessarily only in his control obviously the Heat have some control over that that, that to me sure it's not interesting of, about whether he's right but it is interesting to me that he does have that belief that's that's to me what strikes me as interesting in this clip yeah I, I again I mean I, I hadn't read that so I, I might have to kind of think about it soak <laughs> it all in and, well, and what was your first reaction thing. then uh, just the, the what you kind of hinted at. I, I did take it as him just being um, somebody who is so attuned to visualization and making sure that he sees himself. Like, I, I am 100% certain that Jimmy has had hours spent 
imagining himself with a ring on his finger and a and a parade mm-hmm. going down Biscayne Bay because that's the only way that he he can live his life. Like he like has a self-fulfilling to be able- prophecy oh, type yeah. deal. Yeah, like that you okay. actually see it, like the, the joy in his face, wearing the, the sunglasses with a hat on backwards, you know, throwing champagne on, on fans lining Biscayne Boulevard, half drunk as you make your way to the stadium, to the podium at FDX Arena or whatever, whatever it's called. Kaseya now. Center. Kaseya Center. Sorry, I forgot there. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I think he is really a, a big proponent of that sort of thing. It's, it's necessary I think that's part of it, at this point. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so like I, a golfer. You have to envision, you have to visualize, all right, this right. Is, I'm going to get this three feet from the hole. And then you go out and you try to do it. Because he, he has sounded confident, as you said. Like, he sounded confident in the bubble. And I, and I told you before how yeah. he had talked throughout that whole season and, and kind of getting everybody in his first year in Miami, talking everybody up, and that's how we're, we're going to win a championship. That's why we're going to win a championship. And he keeps putting it out there and then stupidly locked in the next season, right? And, of course, they wound up getting swept. And then we've seen what happens in the last couple of years when he says, I feel confident. I know that we're good enough. I know that our team is going to win a championship. And ultimately, unfortunately, winds up falling short. So that's how I saw it. When I, I saw Jimmy doing that, he's like, you know what? Kudos to him. He still believes. He still believes in himself. And he's still making sure that everybody on that team believes in themselves. Right. You know, this is going to be for guys like Thomas Bryant and, and Josh Ridson, who are just joining the team and I mean, whoever else might be acquired over the next couple of months, even the two-way guys. Like those young players are going to get a taste of this for the first time. I would be so encouraged to be on a team with a guy like Jimmy Butler, especially with all the kind of BS over the, the few years before he joined Miami and him being a, perceived as a locker room cancer and everything else like that. For mm-hmm. him to talk so confidently about the organization as the leader of this organization, I would want a player. Like we talk all the time yeah. about who wants to play with certain stars. Jimmy Butler is as close as you can get as to the kind of star that any other player around the league should want to play with. Yes, they have to make sacrifices, and yes, they have to put in the work. That's what makes you successful here in Miami. But having said all that, if, if you're looking for a good teammate who's willing to do whatever it takes to win and, and, and again, puts it out there, says it with confidence, mm-hmm. I mean, Jimmy Butler is tops in the league in that regard. It- and you mentioned before that you were sort of shocked by my response to it. And and yeah. I, I think part of it is the context and everything. It's on the heels of what Jimmy Butler or Joel Embiid was just saying and the stars moving around and everything. And it just seems like so many of these stars are so like sad all the time, you know, and just it's and, unfulfilling. And, uh, it's it, unfulfilling. At every, I suppose every if you're not, I, I, I understand there's a lot of pressure behind it and I get it. But if you're not winning championships, it just feels like it's so quick to to point the finger, find somebody else to blame, whether it's an organization. And I do think that that's an mm. unintended consequence and side effect of player empowerment. So much of player empowerment is a little bit of player, player entitlement. I think mm. that's certainly part of it where you're like, well, I'm this great and I ought to win. I am this great, so I should have a chance to compete for a championship where no player is so great that by themselves they can win a championship. That doesn't exist. And you need teammates, you need an organization, you need to have trust in those institutions and in those teammates in order for you to try to get your own selfish goals if your goals are to win a championship. And so, I, I again, I find it refreshing that somebody like Jimmy Butler is that way, right? And, and has not always been that way, has not always been that way, has been the opposite of that. He was certainly the opposite of that in Minnesota. And we could debate whether or not it was like yes, the Bulls no. deserved it, but like, he yes no. stormed his way out of there and pointed fingers. He wasn't always 
this but way. What was it was missing in Minnesota that is not missing in Miami? I, I am not. I'm not. Philadelphia. I am not disagreeing with you on that. I'm just saying that that's what he he did that. He did do that, and he does not do those things anymore. And I actually think if you go around the league, that stars can learn from Jimmy Butler. Like I I, I find it again refreshing because I am. I, this is not an anti-player empowerment thing, David, but I just like the disposition of the players, the sadness that is so pervasive among these star players is not fun for fans. There's no way it could be fun when you're all your star players are sad all the time and upset all the time. That can't be fun for fans. And so I think if you have somebody like Jimmy Butler, who's imbuing confidence and joy and all these things all the time, like I look at a guy like Kevin Durant, one of the 12 greatest players of all time. He can learn something from Jimmy Butler. Joel Embiid can learn something from Jimmy Butler. Like these guys can learn something from Jimmy Butler and say, you know what? Instead of trying to get my way out of this team every other year, maybe I can actually trust my organization and say things like I trust Pat Riley and Eric Spolster. When was the last time you heard a star player seriously say that on a public platform? Like uh, it's been a yeah, while, right. man. I, I don't, yeah, I don't think maybe LeBron, you know, and just one of those, overarching kind of large conversations he has like you maybe he might shout out rob palenka but even then like I can't it doesn't really feel the picture. same it doesn't feel yeah, the same it's like i trust rob palenka to listen to what i'm saying as the general manager <laughs> right like rob put a good team a good team together based on my recommendations under my watch yes yeah right. exactly so yeah that, that is exactly right I, you know it's it is interesting you don't see a lot of you don't see a lot of superstar players laud the front offices for the moves they make and and the, the cultural integrity and everything else. And that's what makes Miami so unique. Like I, I know a lot of fans will take it and, and kind of dismiss it and roll their eyes, as you said earlier. But the the internal belief and everything else like that, I think it's it's it really is a strong one that it, it makes it just one of a kind around the NBA. Steph maybe was probably the last guy, and that's not even really been the case over the last couple of years where it's Bob Myers isn't there anymore, right? It's been the yeah, and he, he he voiced frustrations with the two timeline plan, which according to Joe Lacob was never actually planned, which is Joe Lacob lying, but whatever. Um, and then like Tim Duncan, like Tim Duncan might be the answer. Like the last time we really heard something like player and Tim Duncan did not get on the microphones and make bold claims all the time, but he was always very trusting of Greg Popovich and and, and every and, and RC Buford and everybody there. I don't know. Like it's Again, I don't I, I don't want this to be just seen as me drinking the Kool-Aid of Jimmy Butler and stuff like that. And I don't even know like even if right. 65% of this is authentic, like it's at least 65% more than what these other stars are doing. I just I want maybe I'm being naive here and I wonder what the question like, was. What was the question that led that's, to Jimmy? That's to true say because this? it was all in uh Chinese like symbols, like the, even the subtitles, the video oh. that I saw. So I have no idea what like obviously the question was asked in Chinese and then they cut out whatever the uh the translation part of it was. They edited uh, that out. So I don't really know what it is, but it's a it's a good call out. Like if, if the question was, Hey Jimmy, do you think you're gonna win the championship this year? And like even and so yeah, if, if that was but again, like he went at length about like the belief in the organization, all that stuff. Like he could have just been like, Yeah, I'm that good. We can always win a championship when <laughs> I'm on the team. Like he could have just said that, but he didn't. I would have loved it if it had been something completely off the wall, like Austin translations. Like, how do you feel about your time with Shakira? And instead, he just goes into this whole. <laughs> ring roll is this the, are you more of a spicy tuna roll kind of guy, or like, what's the? I don't know. I just I know that the team that Pat Riley puts around us uh, is going to be good enough. Um, all right, coming up, which is the better fitting big three: a potential Damian Lillard, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo trio, or the big three? Of LeBron, D. Wade, and Chris Bosch. We debate that next here on Locked on Heat. 
Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing on betting on Major League Baseball over at FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. You want to make a wager over at uh, uh, FanDuel on the Miami Marlins? I mean, they're they're an amazing team. They've got the, the hearts of South Florida right now. They're a fun team, just like the Panthers, just like the Heat. These the, these Marlins are going four game like, losing streak right now, but I think they're going to bounce. Hey, back. hey, 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 hey! I think they're going to bounce back. Baseball. Tough loss yeah, the other night. We almost made it. Just a couple in the ninth. season. I mean, you're bound to lose a couple here and there. But anyway, uh, just twenty bucks, and you can land up to two hundred dollars in bonus bets, win or lose. That's two hundred dollars. You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to hit the first home run on a night to night basis, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. Who doesn't like that? There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit fanduel.com slash locked on, and you get up to $200 in bonus bets at fanduel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Every day, we're going to be ranking... The sports stars in South Florida tomorrow, and I have a feeling it's going to be a heated debate. So make sure that you're subscribed on YouTube. (laughs) There was no pun intended on that. (laughs) Uh, Subscribe, YouTube, your favorite podcast app. At the risk of getting uh, ahead of ourselves here, David, um, I wanted to compare a potential big three of Damian Lillard, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo to the big three of LeBron, D. Wade, and Chris Bosh. And if only just to try to illustrate what's at stake here, what it is that the Heat are trying to accomplish. There's no doubt. There's no doubt, right? That LeBron, Wade, Bosch, that group is superior in talent. Nobody's debating that. LeBron, at the height of his powers, may be the greatest player of all time. Like, uncomparable in talent versus a potential Lillard, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. As good as Bam, Jimmy, uh, and Dame might be. But I do think that there's actually an argument to be made about which big three fits better, right? And I want I want to make it clear that we're not debating who's better in terms of talent and skill. We're debating the fits, the basketball fits on the court. Because that was a big question about the big three, and I don't know that they ever really answered it completely, if I'm being honest. Like, obviously it worked. But in terms of, you know, like Dwayne Wade became this amazing cutter off the ball. LeBron James ended up handling the ball a lot more. Chris Bosh became a floor spacer and and, and defender and switchable five and all these things. They made it work. 
but they had the to point. transform yeah. their games as in those four years in order to make it work. Where I think, and I'm interested with your perspective here, walking in day one, Damian Lillard, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo fit way better, miles better than LeBron, D-Wade, and Chris Bosh fit together when they first signed in Miami. What do you think? Mm, I, I'm not 100% sure of that. I, I think it, it does make sense, but only just because you have Damian Lillard and his incredible three-point shooting, and that makes the difference. Yeah. Whereas, But at that the is time the when the team formed, yeah, with the team in 2010, um, the three-point shot wasn't necessarily what it is today. It was pre-Steph, and so that being the case, it, it just wasn't the bulk of your your basic NBA hmm. offense at that point in time. So it didn't matter that LeBron couldn't shoot or that Dwayne couldn't shoot or that Chris couldn't shoot. Like, none of them had to shoot from three-point range, and they still routinely put up 75 to 80 points a game between the three of them. It was about getting the, the, the rest of the team, the fringes, to improve along the same lines to be more supportive of what they could do, especially if, you know, for whatever reason, 2011 finals, you know, LeBron James isn't LeBron Jamesian, then, you know, you need somebody else to step up. So in terms of what those two teams are like, the big three in 2010 versus this big three, yes, I would say so. But then you also, I have concerns about Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo playing more off ball, considering neither of them are legitimate three-point shooters if Dame has the ball in his hands and he's going to look to score from the perimeter, he's going to have to dish it off to somebody. And then it's a matter of who creates that next level of offense. Who's going to be able to attack the ball? Is it going to be, can we see that Jimmy, like Dwayne, make that transformation to be more of an off-ball cutter? Because I think he has the potential. Certainly he's yeah. smart enough. He's Yeah, he, he has done it. doesn't have to. He's got the ball in his hands more often than not. But now that he's going to have to go through this evolution, it's going to be important. I mean, and that was, I mean, we're talking players in their primes when they formed in 2010, as opposed to being a little bit older. It's not to say that Jimmy's not in his prime, even though it's a little bit older in that regard. But he has to make some changes to his game in terms of how he adopts, adapts playing to, um, to Dame Lillard. And as far as Bam is concerned, I, I think being that he's younger – and being what he's capable of doing and not necessarily as being as aggressive as a rim roller as Jimmy, et cetera, he might have to take that Boschian step in his evolution as far as being able to space the floor. I know it's a tired comment, and I know a lot of people have argued it at length for years now, and he's tired of hearing it, but I, I would like to see him become a legitimate 35% shooter from three-point range. Yeah. And I know we might be a season or two away, but it seems like we've been saying that for a season or two before that. And it's just, I think that's just the next step there is you're going to have to be able to have Dame on one end, you know, move the ball and then have Jimmy go off ball. And if he gets shut down for some reason, the defense collapses on him, it'd be nice to be able to spray it back out to an open Bam and a bio in that sense and be able mm -hmm. to space the floor. So I, I, that's just, that's my concern about fit. To answer the question um, overall, or I mean, you want to just jump into another. No, I mean, let's just, let's keep, I, I think that's all really good points. I guess my thought process was when, LeBron and D Wade joined forces, specifically those two guys. There was like a whole season of trying to figure out who was the number one, right? Yeah. And uh, it took a full year. And that was part of the reason why things sort of faltered in, in the finals there. Right. As great as Dwayne Wade was in the 2011 finals, it should, it's worth mentioning. Um, I, I don't think that would be the case, just personality-wise. I think Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo would be more than happy to cede number one scoring option responsibilities 
to Damian Lillard. If you're telling me that Bam has to be moved into more of a Chris Bosh role as maybe a tertiary scorer, as opposed to having to be the oh, yeah. guy on a night-to-night basis, he would welcome that. And I think it would actually enhance the other better parts of his game. And I've said this before, other than scoring, Bam Adebayo is elite at his position at literally everything else. Everything else. Maybe with the exception of rebounding, but he's an amazing box out. He's he 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 had the most box outs in the league last year, according to NBA's tracking stats. So even if he's not grabbing the rebounds, he's responsible for a lot of rebounds. And Miami's rebounding percentage as a team goes up uh, skyrockets when he's on the court. So I have him as elite in that category also, even if his raw numbers don't show it. Um, so if you bring in a guy like Damian Lillard, who also does the one thing offensively that Jimmy and Bam don't, I think he's just more, he's so much more complimentary to those guys than I think with LeBron and Dwayne Wade, they played on the same side. They both wanted to go left. They both wanted the ball in their hands and it just took so long for them to figure it out. And by the way, when they figured it out, it was beautiful. It was perfect. Oh yeah. Like they figured it out. It was perfect. My argument here is like, there's going to be less of the figuring it out part. I actually think that we all remember when that breakthrough first got together, it was Rocky. Eric Spolster's job was on the line rumoredly and, and all these things. And, I don't think that would be the case at all. Like if the Heat are able to get Damian Lillard, obviously depending on what all the trade entails, but like Dame, Jimmy and Bam, I could see them just like blasting off to start the season, like a hot start to the season, because I think it would just be, a, it, it just makes more sense. I think uh, intrinsically when they take the court. Maybe, but we've seen all those players bring the ball up. Like Bam during the playoffs, even was there were stretches there where he was most effective when he was the, the initial ball, the ball handler, like, Getting everybody to their half. Who do you think should be the lead ball, ball handler in a Dame? It's got to be Dame. Game. It's got to be Dame. Like that's mm. the whole thing. It's like because Dame is so good at being able to survey that space, and if what makes him so strong as a scorer is being able to say, "Oh, you're going to play off me from 30 feet out. That's okay. That's that's within my range, baby. I got this." So I, I mean, if he starts looking at that, so it's it's really going to to a certain degree, and I don't I don't mean to like dump water you know cool everybody off here and then the the idea of it is to your point when it does click but i still think it's going to take some time for it to click it's going to be beautiful but in the interim there are going to be some sketchy moments there i think it's going to be a little bit more difficult than we might assume eventually i think the fits can be better than it was during the big three at at its peak but the, the difference is also three athletes in their prime like, like it is hard they to were sort of clicking. differentiate that isn't it like yeah at the end of when the they day were clicking, LeBron they were just, just LeBron like yeah. yeah we've never seen anything like it like Dwayne right. was still one of the best athletes yes. in the NBA at that point. two years Chris yeah I mean they were three top 10 players and that was like inarguable at that point in time there were three it was number one maybe number three in, in 2011 I I was arguing it was the top two guys in the NBA in 2011 yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was didn't know how to play with each other yet. And then by 2012, Dwayne had already lost a little bit of his powers. He was still top 10 by 2012, but then it kind of the knee acted up and it precipitously dropped from there. But um, I I, I hear you. I'm not saying that they're going to walk in and just be perfect, like just clicking all like every all the stars that get together. There is always a feeling out period. I actually think Bam should be the guy running the offense a little bit more. Hmm. Um, I, I, I like the idea of him kind of like running dribble handoffs with Dame up high 30 feet away from the basket and like Jimmy Butler cutting off of that action and all that kind of stuff. Like that's how I see it. And as long as you put like two shooters, if it's Kevin Love and Josh Richardson or Caleb Martin and somebody else, Duncan Robinson, whoever's still on the roster, I don't know. Like if you've got those two shooters around those three guys, 
I just I think the fit is gonna be perfect. I'm not concerned about the spacing because Dame is so his gravitational pull is so strong. Like he's kind of like two three point shooters out there. You know what I mean? Right. It's it is it's Steph Curry esque. It's like a notch below whatever Steph is. So um, I I don't know. I just I remain bullish on it. I know you do too. I know that's not what you're saying here, but it's um, I I just think that when you're talking about a guy like Bam, his perfect basketball partner isn't Jimmy Butler. It's 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 Damian Lillard. Right. And I think it would actually be on Jimmy Butler to figure out where he fits more. And I think like we would see something like uh, and look, if this trade actually happens, we're going to get to break down the X's and O's. But like just quickly, I think we would see Dame and Bam be paired up in rotations and then Jimmy getting to play with like plus bench units so that he could do all that isolation stuff Hmm. on his own. I think that would be how Spo would frame it. But anyway, that's 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 a whole other kind of conversation. But that was it was an interesting sort of thing to think about here um shall we move on or you got any other points on this one i don't know I, I, the more i think about it it's, the more i just want it to happen i guess <laughs> there we go i guess so. um joel Embiid made headlines with some recent comments about possibly leaving philadelphia to chase championships one of those headlines involves the miami heat we'll talk about that next here on locked on heat Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Every day or is tomorrow we rank the biggest stars in sports in South Florida. So make sure that you're subscribed on YouTube and your favorite podcast app. Some news to get to before we get to a Dame update and Joel Embiid's recent comments. Omer Yurtsevin signed a two-year deal with the Utah Jazz. What are your impressions of his time with the Heat, David? Uh, unfulfilling, unfortunately. Like I, I just wish he, he had a great guy to talk to, great guy in the locker room. Nice personality and everything else like that. You hope for nothing for the best for him. I'm not going to be smart. I'm just unfortunate that injury robbed him of what could have been a very, very good season, not just to prove to uh, the team, but also to the rest of the league that he was still a good player. Damian Lillard update. It's that Dame time again. To have to lower your asking price and look elsewhere, and that's where my shorter version. This is a shorter version. This is supposed to be a peaceful separation. Dave has every right to ask. Cut it down by like 25 seconds. The notion that they're going to have to give him away for nothing is just stupid. I stand with Damian Lillard on that. I ain't got a problem with it at all. And we for the business called incremental reporting. It will hang over the whole summer. That's shorter. Sham Sharani of The Athletic reports that it's up to the Blazers and Heat to engage in negotiations at this point that Portland has told Miami 
Make your best offer. Shams is told that the sides have spoken, but not about anything significant, and there is no real traction on any deal yet. So that's our game like, update. What are they talking about if not something significant? Like, it's all germane to the trade, right? Or unless they're asking Joe Cronin how his kids are or something like that? Like, what's going on there? Like, the sides have spoken, I guess, past tense, but not about anything significant. That's true. It is a little, it is a little <laughs> gray there, yeah. Little, uh, they talked and they're like, "Oh, hey, how's your time in Vegas?" So part of the 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 did you Dame, try the buffet? Part of the Dame <laughs> Time soundbite that that you that you claim is too long. Uh, one of the things I wanted to keep in there and shortening it was Brian Windhorst saying incremental call reporting. It incremental reporting, and incremental reporting is a broad term. You're just in today's and in today's just media sports media landscape, even kind of political landscape, but that's a different. Uh, different you kind of look at it. It's not. It's not all breaking news. It's not all there is no trade and now the trade has happened. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in between that. And a lot of that stuff is reported on because that is sort of the appetite that that reporters like Shams and Woj and Windhorst are trying to serve. And and so I always think about it as like a screw and you got a screwdriver and just every once in a while you're just turning that screw incrementally a little bit more to the right to tighten it up a little bit more. And that's sort of what each of these reports is attempting to do. This one is like barely doing that isn't it like this one is just like it's just not a whole lot there there anyway let's talk about Joel Embiid who told uninterrupted CEO Maverick Carter during a recent panel appearance that quote I just want to win a championship you know whatever it takes I don't know where that's going to be whether it's in Philly or anywhere else I just want to have a chance to accomplish that uh he later tried to backtrack and responded to a tweet saying to check his middle name which on Twitter as we know is troll so uh, now the league is buzzing with speculation that Embiid could be the next star to be traded. And the Athletic recently had a headline, is Joel Embiid within the Heat's reach? <laughs> and proposed a swap for Bam Adebayo. David, I don't even know how to react or what question to ask you here. So I'm just going to uh, ask, what do you think about all this? I think it's ridiculous. Like, uh, I'm sure he's going to ask out of Philadelphia at some point, and I, and I don't blame him at all. They just haven't been able to form a team around him. Like, to, to our point in the first segment, it's refreshing to see Jimmy Butler so encouraged by what the team has been able to do and so uh, strong in his conviction that he'll be able to win a championship here in South Florida and be not so much and no reason to do so considering everything that's happened you know, over the course of his career from his injury that's, that you know, started his NBA career to the drafting of Ben Simmons and the process and everything that's in, you know, it's been a big, 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 big mess. And they haven't really been able to accomplish much of anything, never been able to get past the second round of the playoffs. And so uh, he should be frustrated. And I know that he wants to win championships, although I'm not so sure how strong he wants to be, because let's be honest, whether it's because of injury or just because he hasn't been particularly good in these moments, like he hasn't done himself any favors in that regard. Uh, I know my co-host on Lockdown NBA, Matt Moore, said something very similar. You should definitely go check out that episode yes. when we talked about it yesterday. But uh, yeah, he hasn't helped himself in that argument. So if you want to win a championship, then then lay it all on the line. Like I, I have no doubt about Jimmy's sincerity in wanting a championship. That may he maybe he struggled at different points. But considering what I saw in the bubble, considering what I saw against Boston last year when he was on one leg, considering what we saw from him this year in the playoffs uh, on an ankle the size of a, a grapefruit, like I, I think that he has shown time and time again how much he wants this and what he's willing to do in order to get it. With Embiid, I'm not so sure. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I'll double down 
on what you just said. I, if you haven't listened to Locked On NBA, check it out. You guys dedicated a whole segment to this and and got more, much more uh, nuanced and and great perspective than we're going to have a chance to do here. But um, I I think what Matt said actually is and I think it's a good point. That must bum you out if you're a Philadelphia 76ers fan. Right. And even if you're going on Twitter and just be like, ah, I was just kidding. I was like, it's almost just like, well, screw you, man. Yeah, like, why are you kidding about that? Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, well, it, that, be, he's yeah. definitely not kidding about it either. You know? So, like, David, there was a time where um, I I had my windshield broken, just like as it happens, like a pebble flew into it and whatever. Yeah. yeah. And, and I just didn't get it taken care of for a while. So the little crack that could have just been a repair expanded and I had to get the whole thing replaced. And uh, I went and tried to like change my deductible on the insurance. And then call the insurance company and say that, hey, no, this is the new deductible. So I could get the whole thing covered as opposed to having to come out of pocket with it. And they said, no, you changed your insurance. And this time and your claim was like three days before that. Like, nice try, buddy. <laughs> That's what this was like early 20s. Wes, like thinking that he had he, he was smarter than the rest of the Smooth. world. Uh, yeah. That's what Joel Embiid was just trying to do. That's basically what just Joel Embiid just tried to do with Twitter. He's like, no, man. Like, I was just kidding. I was just kidding. Like, why would you? What? What's funny? First of all, it's not funny. You're trolling who? Who are you trolling? Like, it doesn't. If, if you're trolling your own fans, again, it just kind of it must bum you out if you're a fan of his. Yeah, why? Why would you do that? Like, and he's the guy, you. man. Like everybody loves him in Philadelphia, and and I do think. And again, you guys made this point on the show. If he keeps saying stuff like this, that that Philadelphia fan base, we know it can turn. And it will turn. And it, it has. will turn on him. And it, it is starting to. It feels like it. It feels like there's the sh- the tide is starting to shift a little bit against him. But um, obviously, if he were to win a championship in Philadelphia, no harm, no foul. But um, who knows what happens with him and James Harden and all these things. In terms of whether or not the Miami Heat should get involved, uh, the proposed idea of swapping Bam for Joel Embiid. First of all, I don't think that would be even a, a real trade. That feels like a trade machine kind of NBA 2K trade that would never happen in real life. Um yeah. I'm also just sort of like, hey, Joel Embiid is one of the best seven players in the NBA. He's a superstar among superstars. He's awesome. I don't want to make that trade. I don't want to make that trade. Not if they get you Dame. You don't want to make league. that trade? Not if it's Dame, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo. What if it's Dame, Jimmy Butler, and Joel Embiid? I hear you. I don't want it. Oh, good. Oh, I, I tell. You know how I feel about it. I, I mean, I no interest in Embiid here. Like as much fun as he might be to cover and things like that when he drops yeah, I love him as a player. Nugget, sense of humor and things of that sort. He, 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 yeah, absolutely. But well, not as a player. I, I think he's better as a person to be 100% honest with you, which is strange considering how, how much I talk about his game. You and um, I disagree with him. You, you're you kind of sick about the flopping and, and oh, yes. kind of all that stuff. And the, it, and and the and talking. Yeah, he falls, the he falls way too much. He needs to stop falling all the time. I mean, it was wild to see like Jimmy Butler – go into the paint and get like Nikola Jokic, who's 300 pounds falling on his shoulder and Jimmy Butler barely move off his spot and draw a foul. And then Joel Embiid run into some Marcus smart or Derek white or something like that and fall over. Like he just got hit by uh, a truck or something like that. It it was like, (laughs) it was ridiculous. I get So yeah, the the falling is a little, it's, it's over. It's a little bit much, but um, yeah, I don't know. I just, First of all, I don't oh, think I, 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 I don't think that would be the deal. I think you have to throw in more if you're the Miami Heat in order to get Joel Embiid. Absolutely. Embiid's. And Absolutely. then at that point, you're like, okay, like what are the really what are the returns that we're really trying to get here? And at what point do they become diminished? Um, is a worthwhile question to ask. And and I find the whole idea of swapping Bam Adebayo for Joel Embiid just completely ludicrous for both sides. By the way, for both sides, I don't think it makes any sense because as great as Bam Adebayo is, he's not like 
he's not going to lead your team in scoring. We know that. Joel Embiid can yeah. do that for you, right? Like, they're good where they're at. I can't believe that that okay. was even proposed. Um, no, no, it'd have to be like Bam Tyler or something like that, you know, plus well, that's all, what... the, all the picks, et cetera. Yeah. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Happy birthday to Bam Adebayo, by the way. Um, make sure to tune in tomorrow when we debate who the biggest stars in Miami sports are. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. David, thanks for joining me. You got it, Wes. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 